0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Voice. And Dr. Drew. Here we are. Welcome everybody. However, today the co host is Mike Carano sitting in for Bob. He's at Coachella today. He's a musician. You know, That's a good priority. This. Uh, No, I should have worn a hat. I'd I'd rather have needles poked in my eyes. Uh, I must tell you. Um, Well, I know a guy that can make that happen. No, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, The other voice you're hearing is Kimberlyn Brown Peltzer. She is a a candidate for uh, Senate. Excuse me, for, for a Congress. congressional seat, right. maybe one day Senate seat. You never uh, know. Uh, and Kim and I were neighbors 100 years ago. Uh, I've known her longer. I've known you, Mike, as you pointed I'm out. I'm sure a woman appreciates you saying 100 years ago. Uh, separate, <laughs> it was a separate, <laughs> separate lifetime ago. You all know Kim from uh, Bold and Beautiful and Young and the Restless, where she is Sheila.
1: Right, she looks right. sort of an
0: evil character, right? A lot of she, times,
2: she's very evil.
1: Right, very so. evil. Right. What a
2: stretch! <laughs> you know, <yeah. laughs> I'm
0: going to take a wild
2: stab in the dark. Your character was evil.
0: Well, but I, don't don't the evil ones sometimes turn good and then they go back to evil?
2: Yeah. No, just, my you, my
1: character's just always been evil, and it's fun. I get paid for that.
2: Yeah. Well, can I ask you what years you were on? She's still I'm on. I'm still
1: on. I'm but still under contract. Did you take Beautiful. a break? Started in 1991.
2: Okay. Because I was in that building in ninety four through ninety eight, CBS Television oh, okay. City. Okay. CBS. We maybe had lunch in the commissary at the same time. We might have. <laughs> I, wow, it's fantastic. I, I
1: don't know. I, I always went out back to the Grove. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it was cool back then. Yeah, it's it, it's still great. It's still awesome.
0: It was not even the Grove back then, was
2: it? Farmers Market. Farmers Market. Yeah, yeah which is still that piece that people yep. know Los Angeles. I Bra- still love it. The
1: Brazilian, the Brazilian restaurant, still there.
0: The Moshi's is still
1: there? Yeah, that too.
0: Fantastic. So what, what prompted this? What, what mobilized you?
1: You know what? I, um, I just can't be quiet anymore, Drew. I really can't. I, I really believe that for the first time in the history of our country, we're not leaving something better to our youth. And you and I yeah. and you, we're going to be part of that generation that leaves something worse than what we inherited.
0: Well, you know, I, I, you know, you can say what you want about Sarah Palin, but I always liked her story. Mm-hmm. That she was, you know, sitting on the sidelines and a, you know, a mom watching her kids play hockey. And went, you know what? This state's a mess. I should run for governor, yeah. and then did it. I'm like, I, I forget her politics and put okay. her personality, everything else aside. That story to me is a uniquely American. story. I was going to say, yeah. I like stories too. Like Hitler was an aspiring artist. Go ahead, I appreciate Mike. that. <laughs> Go
2: ahead, thank you for that, buddy. <laughs>
0: thank you, I appreciate it. Uh, in any event, uh, but your be, story's kind of like that, though, right? To be funny. I mean, just, you, sort of that way. You actually spoke at the Na- Republican National Convention. I
1: did. I did. You know, I was invited to um, to a forum of 100 businesswomen in Southern California. Because even though I, I act, Mike, a lot of people don't know that I, I put my money to work for me. I employ over 100 people here in the state of California, 180 during our busiest time of year. And I saw what my employees were going through. I, I saw the, the struggles and how real they were and how nobody felt like they had a voice. Mm. Andrew, I just woke up one morning and said, "I'm going to go to this thing for the business women, just to listen to Trump to see what he was about." Because this was during the primary, and I really wasn't sure who I was who I was for at that time. I just knew I wasn't for Hillary. Hmm. And Were you
0: always Republican, or was or was that you know what? I to?
1: Grew up Republican. No. My my grandfather used to go on trail rides with Ronald Reagan. Oh wow, yeah. That's crazy. So it goes way way back, but um, yeah, I. I you listened? I, I listened, and I got up, and I, I spoke at that event. And I talked about the things that affect my employees and affect our businesses. And after that speech that I gave, um, I, unbeknownst to me, they started vetting me to speak at the GOP convention. And I spoke there on behalf of small business and women in business. Crazy. Was it nerve-wracking? It was the scariest thing I've ever yeah. done. I have never been in front of an audience like that in my life. and the A te- live audience, yeah. I should say. Yeah, But it's also, so.
2: that was... That was a major television event, too. And I know you're on TV, but you, yep. this it's is different. a live it's thing different. going out everywhere. And, and, it, and yeah. it's a
0: bunch of animals out there, too, right? You're speaking to people that can turn on you really well, easily. You're also Absolutely. And you're way up high and sort of removed from them, right? It's not like it's a cozy no, speaking environment. No, you're,
1: you're up on stage. You're away from them. And, yeah. and it was it was interesting because when they asked me to speak, they said, oh, you know, we're going to have somebody help you write your speech and so on and so forth. And, and then I get a phone call from the speechwriter going, everything we find out about you is about your character. Oh, <laughs> oh that's a. St- <laughs> So it's like it's like we're, we're guessing you're, you're not Kim, quite you're such like a bitch. What yeah the hell? yeah exactly you've killed you've tried you to kill that who guy down exactly the, exactly down the stairs so uh, no so my husband and I actually wrote our speech and I think that's why it was so effective because it came from my heart it wasn't coming from a bunch of kids that were interviewing me and didn't really know me.
0: Well, a lot of the issues, and this is you know this this podcast obviously is heard outside of California, but a lot of the stuff your employees, I'm sure, were struggling with, were the result of this state's policies, which are just like I've just looked around this state of California. I have to do a radio show on KBC every day, and and I just I can't. It upsets me how broken down everything is. Forget the policies and the intent; it's just broken down. Well, it's
2: across the board. It's with the traffic issues it, it never stops i mean
0: it's broken down like, yeah. I mean, what is government's fundamental r- responsibility i don't know sanitation okay water safety yeah let's get a little transportation there be nice and we in i don't know if people around the country are aware in los angeles the roads about the condition they were in in about 1890, you can't. You can't. It's use not it. even you the condition. It's they don't plan for and the future and they don't work. The ones that are in good shape don't work. Yeah. There's no public transportation. No, yeah, but they are painting
1: around. them white. Oh,
0: not only that, they're yeah. going to get bike lanes involved, so you can yeah. narrow the roads down even yeah. further and get on a bicycle and go 13 miles to the mm-hmm. work. It's like ridiculous. Everyone's. It's insane the way they're thinking about. Yeah, the we're populace. Spe-
1: spending that money on urban warming. Oh. Mm-hmm. And and
0: then we have people in Southern California in Northern California, suffering in the streets. Lying
2: in
1: yes. the
0: streets, suffering. Yes. And people step... I mean, this is unconscionable. This is every are,
2: single day of my life. But, I see someone sleeping on the sidewalk as a Bentley rolls by. Have
1: you ever seen it like that in the state no. of California? No. Though, in your ne- lifetime? No, never anywhere. California, no. California never born anywhere. and raised, third yeah. generation. I know you are. And, and I've never seen the homeless situation in California but, but here's, like this. But here's
0: the, here's the rub. Mm-hmm. So Santa Ana, there's a place in the Orange County called Santa Ana River where there was 700 mm-hmm. of them or something. They cleared them out. They pulled out 45,000 pounds of feces and 15,000 needles. Those yep. are the ones they could find. Right. The other needles, you're going to swim into in the ocean should you go out Somebody there. Somebody is. but Right. I'm not so, going anywhere. So LA has the same thing with these dumps on either side of the encampments. The encampments are everywhere in Los Angeles. There is everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're and, on Melrose right now. Yeah. Okay, so they're they're on dump, Beverly Boulevard. There are dumps on either side, feces and debris and what else. And the rats outnumber the humans about at least 10 to 1, maybe 100 to 1. Those rats in this part of the country carry rickettsial disease. There's going to be a major public health infectious disease outbreak in Southern California. Norovirus, you know, in the summer yeah. that that volatilizes. You can walk by that and you breathe it. You got it. So there is a major, major thing coming this summer, and and government is doing and the media and there are people suffering at at the same time, yeah. and the entire populace is put at risk. This is government.
1: No, but you know what? It's the rules and the regulations that that they're passing in Sacramento that's creating the problem, though, Drew. I mean, when you when you pass laws that state that we we no longer uphold vagrant laws, it's insanity. And then when they when they pass new laws like they have now, saying that if you you can steal something as long as it's it's less than a thousand dollars, what is what is the number? I think it's nine hundred and, and 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 change. It's no longer a crime, it's a ticket. But what is and this you leading can, to? You? Anarchy? Well, what, what, what is that? What I, I is that? Uh, the, it's it's unbelievable. So, What that has done is it, it has opened up California... For all of these homeless people that are flocking here because they can steal now as long as it's less than $1,000 and get away with it I, and I, survive in the street because I, of it. I would,
0: I would though, to, to me, that's blaming the homeless a little bit. No, and, no, 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 no.
1: It's other states as well, though, because when I go to visit Alexis in, in, in Arizona, and yeah, my daughter in Arizona, they are, they are coming. To the border there in California. Oh, and the police are there to help get them okay. to the border hey, in times. California. Yeah.
2: But, but you're, 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 you've got a balance here between being compassionate and caring about other people mm-hmm. and then wanting to clean up. Because you can't say, right. get them off the
0: street right. and not have a solution. It, this, we, there's, oh, this drives me insane. My stupidity or no, the whole fact question? That the, the fact that the way the press covers it is so false. Right. They, there are adequate resources. The problem is when you have mental health issues and are chronically homeless like this, these kinds of mental health issues create lack of insight, resistance, and lack of trust. And it takes quite a bit of energy and skill to get them enrolled. It's not a housing problem. It's a mental health crisis. And Absolutely. for whatever reason, the politicians keep championing this idea that that's a housing problem, which is a, certainly a piece of the story. But you can't, they won't go. I have a woman right now I'm working with for a week. I've got a place for. I've got mental health services. I'm a social worker. No. And you and you can't force that. And it takes all this skill to get people in. Yeah. That's what's hard.
1: And then, and then you've got a lot of people, though, Drew, like you're talking about with mental health issues that – don't realize there's the help out there for well, them. But still, no, they don't want it. That's part yeah. of the deal. is
0: part, because if you're a heroin addict on the street, no. yeah. and you're, you're, you don't want it, so, so you have to be able to push it, in, in, you know, motivate it. You have to motivate the treatment. You can't do that. now. So how yeah. how do
2: we prioritize what's important for government to do, and how do we enforce, How do we push people to do that, like a government, like yourself?
1: Well, you know, the, I, I wish that, that, the, that the office I was running for, you know, had issues that, that could actually deal with state issues. California has set themselves up for this. And, you know, everyone, everyone goes into government, I believe, with the best of intentions. But you've got to look at it like a business. If I make a business decision that's bad for my company and it's going to cost me my, my business, I make changes to fix the problem. We have too many people in office that create rules, regulations, and they know that they don't work, and yet they they don't want their name attached to something that has failed. Mm-hmm. They've got to get over that. It's they, just human they, nature, though. It's human nature. You don't you don't want any. Oh, it wasn't my fault, and and I get that, but you know what. We, we need good people that are willing to step up for, for the state of California and, and call a spade a spade. Say, this is the problem. This is what we need to try and, and, and do something to fix it. And, and it's, it's not just a state issue. I mean, when you look at the, the gun violence and things like that, there are laws in place already. They're simply not being adhered to. So why do we pass laws? Why do we pass laws if we're not going to abide by them anyway? Why do we pass regulations if we're not going to type that name of that horribly ill person into a, a, a base that, that all, all government agencies can draw from? Those are already set up. They're already in place. We're not using them, Mike.
2: Yeah. I also got to say from a, I don't know if it's a spiritual standpoint, but just mm-hmm. from an ethical in my own head, it's very disheartening for me to just disregard people on the street. I, no. I can't. Stand and then, I, and then I, be concerned hard. about. I, I, I need more money. Yeah, I need to listen, do this. Yeah. I need more success. If I, if
0: I were, if I were a government official, if I were the mayor or a city, the city council is starting to get it together a little bit, and as, as is, are the county supervisors. But, but if I were one of those people, I would be. I, I wouldn't sleep at night. I'd be, yeah. just, I'd, I'd be no. frantic trying to solve that problem. I don't understand how they could just let it be. And yeah. you, you
1: should see it out in the Coachella Valley as well. I mean, there, it's you, you know, I, I drove. I drove recently out to the Salton Sea to show somebody the Salton Sea and and the the tent cities all along the freeway going out to Coachella. It's I've been
2: to Salton Sea fifteen it's times. It's heart- heartbreaking. Why were you? Out um, there? I'm obsessed with places that are run down, and I don't know if it's a perverse sort of yes, it like is. Like I'm fascinated yeah. with it, it but it is it, perverse. It's also a weird reminder that everything <laughs> is temporary because you look at all those what used to be resorts in the '50s, and now they're falling into the yeah. water, and the people that live around the peripheral are are. In such financially bad, sh- like
1: right, I can't it, it, even. It used to be an amazing place in its yeah. heyday. It huh. used to be one of the number one places for people to go. Really? Yes. But I've been to Slab City yeah. many, many times. What is its it Slab scares, City. It what?
2: scares the shit out of what me, is frankly. Slab City? Yeah. Slab City was an old military compound, and they removed all the buildings, left all the slabs for the for where the buildings were, and people just moved in. So there's between five hundred and thousands of residents at certain times of the year, but there's people that live there full-time with no running water, huh. no electricity. Huh. And and they are permanent residents. I've driven th- around there and photographed there and stuff, and there are just, you know, they s- throw a trailer down, put a wall around it, and it's kind of, there's a sign that says, last lawless place in California. I know that's yeah. not true, but well, realistically, yeah. if something were to go down in Slab City, when are the cops getting there? A half an hour? Two hours? Yeah, maybe never?
1: out there. No, no. Is there, would that be part of your district? <laughs> you, you know, um, well, well, Salton City, the northern part of Salton Sea, definitely uh, is. Uh. Yeah, and my family's actually owned property out there since the forties. In Coolidge Springs, um, and the fun little piece of history. That's where Patton used to train his troops for their desert warfare.
0: He, he knew that
2: Salton Sea. did know that. I you, think Salton Sea. I can,
1: he's been there a lot. No, Salton Sea this. is fascinating, yeah. but you know, yeah.
2: it's it's exactly what you think mm-hmm. if you're a pessimist when you go there. Because I was in Bombay Beach three weeks ago. What's Bombay Beach? It's one of the cities in Salton okay. Sea, Salt and, around the Salton Sea. All
0: I know about Salton Sea I fly over it in
2: the way yeah. I yeah. look. Well, it, it looks, looks beautiful. It looks desolate from this air. But but it I walked gorgeous. the streets mm-hmm. with a camera for about an hour and a half with a person I just met right then, and two people volunteered to me. We can't put solar panels out because the, the meth heads will steal it. And I was like, why would two people just volunteer? Yeah. Let it? So you know what it is. And it's the kind of place if I were a meth head, I'd be like, I could buy. It. I could literally <laughs> buy... A piece of property with a trailer for $2,500, $3,500, and but, live there.
1: But you know what's really interesting is if you go out there, if you look at the money that was paid for the infrastructure, yeah. I yeah. mean, roads, curbs, sidewalks, yes. slabs, everything else, it's, those were all taxpayer dollars yeah. that were put into the infrastructure there, and it's just been walked away from. Absolutely walked away from.
2: But there is a reason it was walked away from. and What's it's, the reason? It's that, it's that smell.
1: Okay, well, that's another issue, though. You know, I, I've i been to D.C. a few times now, obviously, since I'm running for office. And I, I was able to meet with the head of the Water Commission here in the state of California. And for a quarter of the cost of building that bullet train that is already oh. billions over budget. You could budget, do anything. You could go to the moon. We, yeah, but for a quarter of the cost, yeah. we'd have 10 new reservoirs in the state of California and fix the salt and Sea issue, which means that we would have solved our water issues in the state of California for generations to come. What is
2: the Salton Sea issue?
1: The Salton Sea issue is it's It's evaporated, and by the evaporation the salinity has gone up as a matter of fact tilapia isn't expected to live in the lake after after 2018 mm-hmm. That's how bad it is well don't they have, but they used to they used to funnel fresh water to to the lake and they're not doing that any longer
2: don't they have huge huge incidence of botulism every year when it gets hot and it's-
0: Botulism.
2: hundreds of thousands they've, of birds die and wash up onto the shores Well, and fish you know what the,
1: what they're looking to do right now interesting enough Gavin Newsom was out there and they, they put a big you know story in the paper and and he's showing some interest in it but you know, I've got to tell you what we we have politicians that show interest in it yeah, yeah. every election year I can tell you if it was in Pelosi's backyard it never would be where it's at today there's already been money allocated to do the bird sanctuaries and they haven't even tapped into that, so they they have they have on the books, uh, you know, initiatives to to do bird sanctuaries and to funnel x amount of gallons of water into the lake. Our biggest problem out there right now, and those communities that you walked around and you saw, they're very poor now, Drew.
3: I'm sure,
1: where it used to be a thriving, you know, resort area. It, it's now because the the evaporation is so bad, and the and the lake has so much runoff from farming industry, not only from the Coachella Valley, but also from Imperial Valley and all the rest. That now we've got toxic dust because of the water level going so low that the the incidence of of uh, serious respiratory uh, problems amongst the young kids that are growing up out by the salt and sea, which is mainly Latino, now is mainly Latino. Is is unbelievable, and nobody wants to address the problem. But what
2: about when that smell starts coming into Palm Springs? Won't people address it then?
1: Well, you know, on a on a good windy day, it, it might be able to hit Palm Springs. But I've lived there, and i've I've never, I've yeah. never, never witnessed it. On a side
2: note, mm-hmm. does that guy that owns Robo Lights drive you crazy? <laughs> Robo Lights. What is Robo Lights? You're not familiar with Robo Lights? I'm not. Oh my God!
0: Is that like the jerky? The jerky king. I don't even know where to begin
2: on this. It's in a very nice neighborhood in Palm Springs, not too far from the Strip. Robo Lot. He owns four lots that are all connected, and he constructed a giant, super creepy Disneyland-style carnival out of trash, and it's all painted garish colors. I thought it was fascinating, but overall, it's hyper creepy. And it's called Robo it Robo
1: Lights Guess where I'm stopping on the way home. It,
2: it is you're going to be if you are not familiar with it you will be in shock. Why is it called Robo Lights? It's there's a lot of robots in there. There's two and three story robots and they move and there's <laughs> it's loud and it's it the is music? just
1: and it's right in the heart of Palm Springs? I flew
2: the drone over it. It's <laughs> how dark. Can,
1: how could can I miss <laughs> this? Darkness,
2: darkness, darkness. How
1: far is it from Lulu's? <laughs>
2: wait, wait, wait a minute. Is it, is it only at night that it operates? Uh, Christmas time, but it's there year-round. Oh,
1: Christmas And And
2: okay. well, the first time I was there, I, I hate to be this guy because I'm not this guy, but I guess I am. Yeah. The first thing I thought was, if I owned a house here, I would hate well, of course you that would. guy. Because yeah. there are thousands of people coming there. No, I Every night during Christmas time. But you can still see it now. Yeah. Oh, there's no way to miss it. Oh, my God. There's giant so, pink, blue, and Chris, green. The Christmas parade was amazing, though. It's all made, of, <laughs> all made of trash. And it is just... It's...
0: Nuts. All right, let's get off the cyber. Well, I want to give Kim a chance okay. to talk about her district. Now, is this is Sonny Bono's position, who Mary Bono then took over for a while. Exactly. She's now in Washington doing other things. Right, uh, right. I imagine you were fans of, of theirs. That Absolutely. That yeah. As a
1: matter of fact, you know, I knew Sonny when he had Bono's on La Siena and Melrose. Oh, yeah. you remember when that yep. was there? Um, at that time, he wasn't married to Mary. He was married to Susie Quillo. but... Um, yeah, then he moved out to the desert like so many Hollywood people really really do these days. I'll tell you what, there's a huge, huge group of, of uh, people living out there that commute into L.A. for work now. But the, the seat, un- unfortunately, was lost. And a, a doctor actually won the seat, Dr. Mm-hmm. Raul Ruiz. And, um, you know, great, great American story. Born in Mexico, his dad was a... A worker in the fields in Coachella brought his family up here. Um, The farmer that that his dad worked for actually put him through Harvard Medical School. Mm. But the deal that he made was, I'm going to put you through school, but you need to promise me you're going to stay here and practice medicine in the Coachella Valley because we don't have enough doctors. And that was the deal that was made, and and he broke that deal two years after graduating from college.
0: He moved somewhere else? He ran for office. Oh, so he's been in office. He never... Wait, I'm confused. He never practiced medicine?
1: He was an ER doctor okay. for two years. Got it. And then yep. he did other things. And, and then he went on to uh, to represent our district, and he's been incredibly ineffective and, and a Pelosi yes man all the way. And what really scares me about that is the fact that Pelosi has publicly even stated that at first it was, you know, we're going to impeach the president, and now it's we're going to repeal the tax cuts. Now, I know that that... That might make a few people in California happy that have their million-plus home, but I'll tell you what, the tax cuts have done nothing but help business all across the United States. It's not just a California issue. It's an issue all across the United States where you can expense now within the first year instead of seven years. People are actually reinvesting in their companies, and people who had to put off buying equipment before, they don't have to put it off anymore. Even for even for our business in San Diego, one of them that we have is... Um, a boating and marina operation where normally we would buy six jet skis for each location every year. We're buying 10 now because we can expense it. And it's, it's really part of the reason you see this economy kicking up as fast as you have because people now have the money to invest in their companies. You know, you were asking earlier, why am I running? This is another reason why. Because...
0: You want to preserve these jobs. Preserve
1: these jobs. I have my finger on the pulse of business. I, I absolutely know... What they're going through and what the rules and regulations are doing to affect them.
2: Can I ask you about your avocado farm? Yeah.
0: Before you do, I think do we have to take a break soon? Or are we? Okay, Five avocado okay. farm. The avocado uh,
2: farm. yeah, like how is there a benefit to having grown in California avocados? And as have, opposed to what is that a mark, marketing benefit? As because opposed because to. I, cause I see avocados that. Come from chile maybe not chile but there was somewhere i I noticed on one of the avocados they
1: do have them from chile they have them from mexico (laughs) but i mean everywhere everywhere around the world you know that's that's one of the things that nafta did it opened up our borders for people to farm elsewhere and and not farm by the same standards that we're held to here in the united states for instance when i when it's time for me to pick my fruit that's usually when mexico floods the border driving the pricing down for your American farmer. And it's not just avocados in the Coachella Valley. It's grapes. It's, it's all of that. But a lot of your California farmers have also purchased properties now and are farming in Mexico because it's so much cheaper to do Because so. the
2: labor is cheaper and the land is cheaper? Both. and they don't. What about the fertility of the soil? Is it exactly the same or does no, it matter?
1: It's not the same. It's absolutely not the same. I, you can get away with things in other countries that you can't get away with here in the United States, and that's got to change as well. You, you know, I'm, are you talking I'm, I'm, about I'm, I'm dumping chemicals. You're oh, talking yeah. about putting yeah. chemicals, chemicals in the and all the rest. Yeah. Using water that's not that's not clean. Um, you know, and and that's why when you taste a, a beautiful Haas avocado from from Fallbrook or Temecula, the flavor is so much better than anything you're getting from the. Are avocados seasonal. They are. They are, Haas avocados are seasonal, and then you can do four days during the winter months.
2: Is the biggest cost to your farm uh, water?
1: You know, the biggest cost to most farms are, it, it is water. For me, I have my own well. So, oh, holy smokes. Yeah, I, I, I'm one of those people that were blessed to do that. The, the, the small mom-and-pop farms all around the one that I own, that my husband and I own, they're, they're cutting down their groves because they can't afford, for, for one thing, the the, uh, the market being driven down so much so that you can't afford the water and you can't afford the labor. Um, it w- it's amazing. Last year, after Trump was elected, it was the first time our prices went up on our avocados in seven years. And they're up again this year.
2: Is it like a market
1: price? It's, uh, you know what he's doing? He's stopping trucks at the border and looking for drugs. And if that truck has drugs on board... He's stopping the truck behind that as well. And it goes on and on and on. It used to be they only stopped 2% of the trucks coming across the border. And lo and behold, 2% of those trucks had drugs on board. Well, if you do the math, that's 100%. Am I right? 2% it's
2: of the trucks right, have drugs on board? <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, oh that's, a, that's all. No, that's you thought all, it'd be more? That's all they were no. allowed to stop. That's no. a, that's, those are only the ones they were allowed to stop. So, so now they're stopping more. And it's actually helped out the the avocado industry because those trucks are lined up.
0: So there's this really interesting diet out there, the lectin-free diet, that's uh-huh. going to push avocados up a bit, I think, in terms of popularity. I don't it's, even it's know what health- lectin is. It's, it's a cra- it's an interesting story. This one physician is advocating it. And it's helping people, it looks like. Yeah. It's,
1: it's a healthy fat.
0: It It's more... It's... The gluten story is only part of the story. It turns out the lectins are these things in many other vegetables and obviously in starches and things like that. And right. It's it's possibly immunoactive, immunologically active, and it's possible that it's creating some of the autoimmune and sort of unpleasant illnesses we have today.
2: If, if you could somehow get possibly. out of your head and not take outside influence, doesn't your body crave what
0: you need? No. My cr- body craves chocolate cake. I was just going to say, <laughs> so what's the matter with you? Everybody yeah, craves alcohol. Okay, that was a terrible <laughs> yeah. question, but
2: yeah. I just assumed I like avoca- I love yeah. avocados. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but I mean, would, is it because I'm crazy? It's not just the flavor. It's it's my body wants something that's wants in something that. Want
1: something that's in that. Nah. no, I don't. You don't know think so? It? No, because know. because I'm right there with you with my, my Briar's yeah. gelato oh, with yeah. with caramel. Yeah. Why are
2: avocados <laughs> hit and miss?
1: Hit and miss. I don't know. I've never had a miss. Like
2: I've, uh, I, I buy avocados. Sometimes uh, I'll get a uh, bag of avocados at Costco and they're perfect. Then I get another bag and there's two duds in there. And I was what do you mean like, duds? Uh, what does that mean? Right. Like black, they're either or dark. They're spoiled black, or they're... Or- or they're just, yeah, they're not yeah. as good as the other ones. And I don't know why that is. Well, you know,
1: when, when you're shopping for your avocados at the store, though, make sure that the stem is still on there. Even if it's trimmed down to the lowest, once the stem is popped, that's when they start ripening right okay. away. Okay, oh, yeah. I had no idea. I had no idea either. Yeah. No yeah, no idea. Yeah, that's good but information. Best, just cut them open, pop that seed, a little salt and pepper, a little balsamic drizzle, you're good to go with a spoon.
2: So uh, I'm assuming a lot of your employees at the avocado farm are Hispanic.
1: Yes, they are.
2: And how does that tie into your... Being a Republican, and and I'm just curious if there's a obviously I don't let, mean a let,
0: contradiction, but I mean let, let me let me just say something. I'm sort of libertarian, so I get I get okay. to, I get to look at everybody and hate everybody and like everybody. <laughs> I get to do both, yeah. but n- nobody wants anything other than all boats to rise. This idea that exactly. somebody wants something and the other person wants to take it away yeah. from the other—that is some mm-hmm. heavy bullshit. Every, I wasn't, I wasn't going But, but, but there with just that. listen, just I'm, listen. I want to state this. Everybody that I know that is a human being that is interested in business or interested in government, they want everybody I to know, get to, they, rise to, to rise. They want yeah. it, it's the, what the the vehement problems are around how we get there, and the, it, why there has to be such weird sort of uh so much violent division. disagreement. Yeah, no. is bizarre. To me. It, it, and then you have to accuse people of not wanting other ships to rise. No, yeah, you want exactly. everybody to get better. How you do that? Government generally has not been the way to do that. Generally speaking, it's been free markets that have done that for people. Absolutely. That's all. That's all I'd say. Yeah. So
1: no, no, you know what? But it, but it's interesting because you you bring a Latino flair into that, and me being a Republican, how does that affect me? You know, I, I don't I don't label people. I, I have people, really good people, that work for me it's like if if i have a gay friend of mine that i work with if he's sitting here i'm not going to introduce him hey mike i want you to meet my gay friend so and so and i'm not going to say hey mike i want you to meet my african american aunt i'm not going to say yeah. hey mike i want you to meet my 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 uh, but you my worker i see where you're going with it no because there's, a, there's every, a- everyone that works for me is legal yeah and i make sure of that and i hire grove managers that 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 have papers on everybody because i i truly believe that that you have to come here the right way, but I there's really also that.
2: in your district. There's mm-hmm. a, probably a lot of illegals, just like there is in San Diego and where I live, and probably. you know all the places I've lived.
1: Probably, and
2: I am in agreement with you. I mm-hmm. think people should have to come here the right way. But don't do you feel like it's, it's more of an uphill climb for you because you are a Republican, and some people's perception
1: mm-hmm.
2: is Republicans just want to build a wall and keep people out.
1: Yeah, and, and you know what? When you talk about that wall, everybody equates that wall to, to illegal immigration. And,
2: they and, equate, equate it to racism. Well, but that's
1: what they've done. That's, that's, that's what, what the, the press has put out there. That's, that's what the, the liberal media, they need to keep the noise. They need to keep people off the ball. Just look, look at this logic, yeah, Mike. When I, when I
0: drive through San Diego on the, on the 5 freeway right. and I get to the border of Mexico, what, what, is, what am I running into there? What, what's that thing I run into, I'm waiting in car line of cars with? Yes. What, what is that? That's a wall. You, that's a wall. Yeah. You're that's kidding. A wall. It's yeah. a wall. And so yeah. the Mexican officials on the other side with the machine guns, they're there because they hate me and they're racist? Oh, no, no. Are they, is that what it is? Those guys with the machine guns, they hate me and they want their wall? And wait a minute. And should that wall go to the, o- it it goes to the ocean on one side? That's not and what I, I was saying. I but was but saying, it's so, the logic a, is so bizarre to me. How far does it go in the on the land yeah. side? A, yeah. a mile? 10 miles? 1,000 miles? No, it's no, all a wall. No, no but you know, It's so bizarre you, that you we know think of that. But
1: what he's, what he's, what he's saying, Drew, is, is, is really pretty true. I mean, when, when you look at it, how the li- liberal media and how our, our liberal politicians... no, They made it about hate. They, they, they make it about hate, and yeah. they make it about Republicans. They make that wall about Republicans. Well, let me tell you this. Berkeley, one of the most liberal colleges in the United States, just did a recent poll on sanctuary states and cities. And 76, uh, 77% of Californians don't want sanctuary cities, sanctuary states. 70, I think, 4% of Latinos did not want sanctuary cities, sanctuary states. No, they're harmed by this. 60 they're something harmed. percent, 64 or plus percent. Of Democrats don't want sanctuary cities and sanctuary sanctuary states. We already have visas that, that acknowledge the problems of these people that are afraid to come out of the dark to help the police with these with these uh, prosecutions yeah. and such. But nobody even knows about the TVs and the U visa. They don't even know about them. Where if they come forward and they help they help the police, that I, they, I just think they the, they've taken yeah. people
0: and they've they, the whole, separation. I, well, they've politicized something that should be managed and they're using right. it to create power and, po- and political sort of but it's creating, uh, capital, it's and that creating a lot of it's again but it's again people, people yeah. suffering as a result yeah. it drives me but crazy. i think
2: what you just said is there's a that's that's a serious issue right there because yeah. if there's a crime that happens in a poor part of town with a lot of hispanics mm-hmm. maybe a bunch of them are just hypothetically yeah. let's say there a lot of people didn't come here legally okay. they're not going to help the cops because they don't want to get to work. Well, it. but then... What, but that's
0: a, that's but, a real issue but, that
2: affects okay, everybody. But, but yeah. the
0: cops tell you that doesn't matter so much because yeah. no one's allowed to ask about people's immigration status. We're not allowed to
1: ask No, no anymore, I'm,
2: I'm, right? I'm not even yeah. talking about
0: asking. I'm saying it. the problem is... Here's the they're problem. not going to help no, here's the problem,
2: other Bob. people. Like if I get robbed, they're not going to testify against somebody because
1: they
0: don't want to
2: get
1: But, but Mike, the problem is that they,
0: guy goes back into their community. Yeah, That's the problem. But, but, that, so they're getting harmed but, by that. But this. what
1: Mike's talking about is the person actually that's willing to come forward, Drew. Mm-hmm. And the thing is is they don't know about the T and the U visas. And those uh, visas provide those people with a three-year – it's a four-year visa if they help prosecute a case. And they automatically get that visa, and so does their immediate family. And after three years, they can actually apply for legal citizenship in our country. See,
0: that, that to me is, we need solutions like that. We need and to get everybody naturalized. But, but, we, get them all but we have those on the books, I Drew, know. and it's
1: like what you were talking about earlier. We, we ha- And with mental health and all the rest, we have certain things in place. We simply don't. Don't put them into yeah. use. We don't feel so put them dumb. into action. I feel
2: so dumb because, yeah. well, because I'm you're, you're, super gullible. You're, and falling, I, you're
0: falling for the political, the people that are using that, these stories. I just feel to like a dumb power. guy
2: that's yeah. being played by, and I'm not just talking about Republicans or Democrats, by both sides constantly. Yes, and I can hear something and it, it gets in my head and yeah. then it eats away at me. Yeah. But but,
0: stand in the middle with me. It's wonderful.
2: I'm libertarian.
0: I, I <laughs> yeah. hate everybody. I hate them all. I, hate I don't all. hate Kim. I hate but but, I, but, I, but no. it's easy for me. I, <laughs> yeah. I just really am just like, oh.
1: But, but, you, but you're talking about that wall, and they want to make it about, about immigration, but they don't talk about the human trafficking. They don't talk about the drugs. They don't talk about any of that. I mean, you've got these kids marching on Washington because of the gun violence, and and I appreciate them using their voices and coming forward and doing what they feel that they need to do. But where are the kids down on the border holding up pictures, literally photographs, of their friends that are already dead, their friends that are addicted, because of the drugs coming across the border? I can tell you my daughter is 24 years old, and she wouldn't be able to ho- have enough hands to hold up her friends that she's lost since high school. She's lost 10 yeah. friends. She's 24 years old. 10 friends that never even saw the age of 21. Yeah,
0: I, and then, I, I'm going to argue my, my profession probably got them going. So there's a, there's yeah. a dual prong issue with yeah. that. Yeah, but,
1: so. but you know what, Drew? We, we need to start addressing this as well because this affects everyone.
0: Read the book Dreamland. I think it'll help you you read it? I have it? that book okay. that I've read it. Okay, good. Because yeah. that really gives you that story. I'll tell you it's what. accurate, hundred percent. It is scary, Sam scary got it. accurate. I'm gonna have yeah. Sam I'm gonna interview him uh part the Doctor Drew podcast. But uh, he yeah. he's, you, he lives you know in what? South Pasadena. I, <laughs> I know. Okay, big.
1: so so here's the thing with Dreamland. Yeah. I um I was handed that book. I actually went to New Hampshire to help to help walk precincts for Kelly A. Mm. Because her big thing is getting rid of the drug problem yeah. in New Hampshire when you figure that that's the number one problem in New Hampshire and it is hundreds and hundreds of miles away from our border and yet dreamland was the book handed to me to read on the plane there to uh he, to, he, get, he to is, get I can tell you uh, having
0: been working in this field for 20 30 years yep. uh, everything he got he nailed it he nailed it that's exactly the way it all evolved Scary, both on it? the doctor side yep. and on the drug side uh, does he nail a solution side. He doesn't really. Get, he's a journalist. Right. He is, it's not. Listen, I get overwhelmed when I think about the solution. The the opioid prescribing by physicians is right. dropping precipitously because uh, of the the legal
2: issues that are coming up.
0: Yes, well, yes, that and finally awareness too. Awareness. But the heroin thing is still running out of control. We're going to talk a little bit about yeah. that. Are we not? Yes. Uh,
3: in the next segment, with yes. the doctor from Hazelton.
0: Exactly. So it's a perfect place to stop. We'll take a little break. Kimberlyn Brown, she, uh, Kim Brown Peltzer, is all uh, the Sheila Carter where she has been called one of the all-time great soap of supervillains. <laughs> it's hysterical.
1: is <laughs> hysterical. She is running. <laughs> I would be proud of that. She is running for the <laughs> 36th you, District.
0: Uh, is there a website or anything you want to refer people to? while well, we're just. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Go, go to Kimberlinforcongress.com.
0: Perfect. All right. Yeah. We'll take a little break. Be right back. Thanks. Thanks. I want to mention our friends at Bergamot Sport, a supplement that provides all the cardiovascular benefits of the original Bergamot, but with additional additives designed to aid athletes and those with active lifestyles. Bergamot Sport is recommended and used by professional and college athletes throughout the world. Helps them improve stamina, reduce recovery time, and muscle inflammation bergamot sport is informed sport certified so athletes can feel confident that it's all natural and it has been banned substance tested but even if you're not a pro athlete or just getting a workout once a week or so bergamot sport is still worth a try it can help you work out harder recover easier without worrying about being sore or tired the next day i've used the products myself i've recommended them to patients we use them in our family and i've done so just as physicians and cardiologists around the world have done and bergamot plus is excellent for what's called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which has just passed all other forms of liver disease in terms of causing cirrhosis. So it's something that is so it's something that is a major health issue presently and needs to be paid attention to. For a limited time, our listeners can save 10% on their order by entering code D-R-D-R-W at checkout. That is D R D R E W, all one word. Try Bergamot Sport for yourself. Visit bergamot.com. That is B-E-R-G-A-M-E-T.com. Or just click the Bergamot banner at drdrew.com. We're
1: All
0: right. We're 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 back. We're still here with uh, Kimberly brown Pelzer And now we're joined by Dr. Joseph Lee. He is uh, medical director of Hazelton Betty Ford. Uh, Dr. Lee, uh, Kimberlyn is running for Congress in your district there. So that's the connection with you guys. Yes. Uh Dr. Dr. Uh, Lee is a psychiatrist. also board certified in addiction medicine. He's written a book, "My Kid: Recovering My Kid: Parenting Young Adults in Treatment and Beyond." Check that out, Dr. Lee. Welcome.
3: Thanks. Thanks for having me on.
0: So we were just before you came on, we were starting to talk about the opioid issues, and, the, and we were touting a book called "Dreamland," which really chronicles exactly how the medical, how our profession went off the rail with uh, oral opioids and, and pain medication um and then the heroin distribution and how uh you know it was actually one city in Mexico that was the major major source of all yeah. the, individ- the entrepreneurs that came up here and, and distributed the heroin all over the place
2: when you say your your uh, your profession went off the rails yeah. was that that was an unintentional or lacking of in knowledge right well, okay mm-hmm. But but uh,
0: Dr. Dr. Lee, let's maybe we should start with that because I, I lived through that horrible uh, couple decades. Uh, how do you see that when we when uh, pain became the fifth vital sign?
3: Yeah, well, pain did become the fifth vital vital sign, and things started to really go off the rail uh, at that stage. But I think historically there were a number of other factors that people tend to discount. Uh, this happened long before uh, pain as a fifth vital sign. And long before uh, pharmaceutical company involvement, you know, we had a medical system that stigmatized mental health and addiction issues for a while. So if a problem like this were to happen, there was no way the system would have caught it or knew how to address it. So That was an issue. And then and then there were also other issues with disparity, meaning while the number of deaths have skyrocketed for decades, people have uh, been disenfranchised and disenfranchised people have been struggling with opioid addiction and heroin for decades. We just didn't pay attention until. You know, white kids in the suburbs started to pass away. So, yes, the the pain as a fifth vital sign and the pharmaceutical company involvement and uh, what's depicted in Dreamland is certainly a modern historical version of what happened. But I would say there were infrastructure pieces missing all all the way along that were exposed as well.
0: Meaning, because again, I, I practiced addiction medicine for thirty five years. And there was a there was a glory era in the 80s where you could get anybody in any socioeconomic bracket and you could treat them and you could treat them thoroughly. So I'm not quite sure what the... Then, then the insurance companies kicked in and said, what's the evidence here? Everyone has to be out in three days as opposed to
3: 60 days, which is what was sort of
0: routinely the case back then. Uh, so I'm not quite sure what infrastructure part your part you're talking about.
3: Well, I'm just talking about the global disparity about mental health and addiction issues. And so you know, you may have practiced at a time before HMOs, but I think that's when I grew up. And so that's been around now for, you know, three, four decades now. And that was the reality growing up for me in medical training. And uh, even prior to that, uh, a parent takes a young person who has mental health issues or addiction issues into a fancy hospital and a nice atrium. And they're often shifted to the back annex building, which isn't as nice if they have addiction or mental health issues. And so I think when insurance companies started to get more involved, uh, the trend of uh, stigma definitely started to increase and uh, there was less payment in the system, less money and talent in the system. And I think that slide has been going on, uh, had been going on probably for a couple of decades prior to uh, pain as a fifth vital sign.
0: You see, I, I must have uh, started practicing in a glory era where psychiatric hospitals were very posh. Psychiatrists were thought of in high esteem we'd been through the era of uh you know sort of stigmatization of mental health and it was already becoming a you know sort of a understood that this was a brain problem, and there was the, it was the decade of the brain, if you remember, was the 90s, and that was all, you know, things looked really positive. And you're right, the insurance companies were restricted it all down. We couldn't even do our job.
2: When you say but, stigmatized, are you talking about how I know terms like loony bin and stuff like that?
0: Yeah, mental it's always been stigma. Look, the, the, I have to give a lecture on stigma in a couple of weeks, but, but the idea is sti- stigma has many different sort of incarnations, but fundamentally it's making somebody other, keeping them down, keeping them out. And it's based on, as much as anything, ignorance and fear and, and other sorts of tribal kinds of instincts that humans naturally have, frankly. Dr. Lee, do you agree with that?
3: Yeah. And the footprints of that stigma are everywhere. And it's, it's financially related. That's one way to track it. If you look at any hospital, you know the, the divisions that make money are procedural. And so they're not mental health and addiction driven. And that's also influenced by uh, insurance companies. And so if you just kind of follow the money trail, which practices got um, you know preferred... Uh, even the the kind of a mill kind of culture that medicine has turned into that also tends to um, dehumanize in some aspects and makes it difficult to treat addiction and mental health. So if you if you kind of follow the money priority trail, the footprints of stigma are everywhere. That is one hundred percent true. Could uh,
2: money
0: solve this problem? Um, I I think per- personally, I think innovation needs to well. First, of all, go ahead, Doctor Liu, because there's a lot of
3: answers to that question. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I think necessary, but not sufficient, you yeah, know. So, yeah. I mean, as a metaphor, you know, you can look at the DC public school system. They spend a lot uh, per capita, you know, per, uh, per student, but they don't sometimes get the results they're looking for. It's not just money, but I think funding from everything for research to getting talented people in, yeah. uh, to thinking differently about how we pay for healthcare. We, we really went largely into a procedure driven business and then everybody else became a mill. And I think that really accelerated the stigma perhaps in inadvertent ways but I think now we're working back so for example when you're talking about the opioid crisis one of the things that we know works are you know health homes and uh, case management and coaching where people outside of any kind of CPT billing code in an office arranges coordinates care talks to family members really does holistic practice but in our procedure driven, World, that kind of stuff is nonsense. It's, it makes no sense, and there's no way to get reimbursed yeah. for that kind of stuff. so right. And you so no the, the lingering aspect of yeah. stigma is still present. Exactly.
0: But, again, know, yeah. but, hang, but hang a second. I don't know if you're aware, Dr. Lee, but uh, John Kelly at Harvard and Heath Humphreys at Stanford are about to publish a Cochrane review. That will show that a free service does as well or better than all, a lot of the fancy services we provide. Uh, and I'm talking about mutual aid societies, that we need to f- we need to push very hard. On other levels of efficiency of care that we can provide, I understand. so I think innovation, Mike, to answer your question, that's from my because perspective, the
2: money isn't there, though, right? There's no money for that. But like if but, he if he had an endless supply of money to open solve a ten thousand, that's, okay, that's what I'm asking.
0: Because you know, first of all, there's a lot of reasons why not. But uh, you know, addicts, they they you know, force I mean, them into treatment facility. Yeah. No, it's,
2: it's, if his facility, if he could open ten thousand rooms and hire the best people in the world, it would to help. There, it would help. Would that be a cure all for no. anybody that wanted to ship it
3: someone
0: would, there? would help the shipping someone there
2: yeah but then worked, maybe some worked.
3: there's some real world examples there and we've done research with john kelly uh, about aa and other things and so we're proud to know him and have partnered with him before i've had conversations with him about about treatment and i think philosophically we're aligned there but if you look at say a state-funded uh treatment system and they're doing like an outpatient clinic well the resources are really tight and what that means is On the research angle, on the white ivory tower of academia, they want them to do cognitive behavioral therapy and motivational interviewing training, contingency management, medications. But that costs money to train. And you have these uh, poorly resourced outfits that are trying to adopt practice. And then a lot of academics are like, people are resistant towards uh, adopting evidence-based practice. That's not true. There just isn't money in the infrastructure to to uh, do research and development,
0: you are you are singing the, the right tune, man. You know and, what?
1: Though you, you mentioned something earlier, yeah. Drew. As far as you know, the the treatment programs used to be a sixty day program. Yeah. What does insurance cover today? It's three two, three days. If you're lucky. Three mostly days if outpatient. Lucky.
0: If, if if no inpatient. And uh, yeah, I I used to just I, I had most, some of those crazy conversations in the world when the HMO started coming in and the restricted services. It, it was just crazy. Yeah. I. I You know, I had one point where I said to a guy, a physician, a physician reviewer administrator, and uh, and I said, "Look, you know, you keep sending these alcoholics in. You you require them to be out in two days. It's demoralizing my staff. Uh, Let me, you name your price, and I will deploy my staff and treat them for as long as it's necessary to get a good out. You know, to properly treat this person."
1: Right. Right. And
0: he went, "No, I just want a two day detox." And I went, "That's crazy." He, uh, He goes, "Look," he goes. Yeah, I want, to, they, I want a one-day work week. Here's the answer. He goes, he said these words, I'll never forget them. He said, look, if they, if, if they go out and they drink again, of course they will. But if they do that three times, then they'll lose their job. Then they're no longer my concern.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: I'm as a doctor telling this. It was stunning. Can you tell me a number? Stunning.
2: I'm sorry. sorry for Can you tell me a number between 60-day rehab and a three-day rehab? What are the like success results where it will stick? Three days, zero. I okay. would say, unless, I would you, say unless, zero you, unless you
0: follow with a lot of other things, it doesn't have to be inpatient, you know, comprehensive care. Is there but,
2: something about two months that that shifts well, your brain? It's a,
0: yes, somewhat, and it depends on the drug, and it depends on the what else is going on with that individual. Uh, but you know, I like six months, <laughs> two months. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah,
1: but you know, you know what people aren't looking at though in that three day thing. Uh, you know, I, I know somebody who who works at a, a treatment center in the desert and. He works with high school kids primarily, and his big thing is keeping these kids alive.
0: Well, okay. So that's, that's uh, where, where I wanted to go next. So, Dr. Lee, let's talk okay. a little bit about fentanyl. Uh, fentanyl is one of the big threats, particularly the kids that are using heroin. Yeah. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about it, Dr. Lee?
3: Yeah, you know, there are a lot of scary statistics out there right now. And um, I rely on research papers like everybody else. But, you know, they're, they're kind of like looking at a light in the sky, meaning they, they kind of lag in time. And so my, my best barometer has been just uh, the privilege of seeing kids across the country. And so unfortunately, I've kind of become an expert on, on drug dealing because these kids tell me all these stories about the price of heroin in Alaska and where they're getting fentanyl from. So it started, I started to notice a real uptick around uh, late 2014. And I started to notice that some of these kids were going on the dark web and the dark web had been out there for a while and people were obtaining drugs, but no one trusts anyone on the dark web. But then Bitcoin came around and it became a real catalyst because Bitcoin allowed you to basically safely launder your money so you could buy these drugs. And then they'd come. And so these kids would tell me that they would buy fentanyl powder. And of course, they had to be very careful with it. and They'd wear a gas masks and put it in the special rooms. And they'd put little bits of it into water bottles to take it to school. And they distributed it around. Uh, And that's when I started to first notice it. But then it started to go in other places. Um, We've known that people have cut heroin uh, with many different things. So when when oxycontin became and oxycodone became less available in the black market because it was a dollar a milligram and really expensive anyway, heroin came in its place. Then as that market boomed, uh, things became competitive and people were cutting all kinds of different powders into heroin to make to maximize profit, which is, you know, not, not a for uh, the black market. And fentanyl became one of those things. And at first I was like, you know, hospital grade fentanyl is kind of hard to get. So I wonder why they're doing it. They, they can't be making money. But then I started to hear these stories of people getting them from these clandestine labs in various ways. And now it's become a huge epidemic and yeah. fentanyl is everywhere. And a lot of people taking fentanyl are taking it inadvertently. They don't know what they're taking
1: yeah.
0: Right, and that's how they—if they're shooting intravenously—that's how they die because it's very, very powerful. No, it can exactly. suppress respirations. But I, I'm a little skeptical of this Prince story. I wanted to sort of—I wanted to parse that out with you. They're saying that he had some uh, bootleg Vicodin with fentanyl mixed in, which I don't doubt that was true. My question is that doesn't explain the very high levels of fentanyl in his blood if he didn't know that he was ingesting fentanyl because orally there's not sufficient absorption. So either he had to crush it and take it through his cheek, or are you right, or, he was, or whatever, or there was some other source of fentanyl. Would you agree with that?
3: Well, um, I don't know the exact levels of fentanyl, but I have seen many people who were completely surprised that they were using fentanyl. Like I've had uh, people thought that they were using Xanax. Uh, and and we drug test them, and it comes back positive for fentanyl, and they're shocked, but, they're but, floored but, but by it, and they've po- developed tolerance.
0: No, but positive over for, time. but it's, positive for fentanyl is one th- for, for is one thing. In other words, it's it's in your mouth long enough to get some buccal absorption, uh, as opposed to I'm taking so much fentanyl because I'm swallowing a bunch of Vicodin that's laced that it knocks me off my feet and I stop and I become have respiratory depression. I mean that's a that's a lot of fentanyl. It's really hard to get that much in. It seems to me with a, a, a laced Vicodin.
3: Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying is, you know, although we're just speculating and who knows what was in Prince's mind, but uh, what I see are incredibly high tolerances to fentanyl that, that you just don't see in hospital settings from people taking it for very long periods of time, either accidentally or purposefully. So um, I think I've seen it lots of different ways. I've seen some people become very, very uh, tolerant on fentanyl even, and they can take uh, dosages that would kill me outright or kill any person that's naive to it, and uh, they can take it, and and uh, and they're affected, of course, and they have overdoses from time to time. But I, I think it's hard to say one way or the other. I think, you know, the the, the Prince story is a real stra- uh, tragedy because uh, from Minnesota, he's kind of, you know, the state's son, and uh, the, the whole state is very proud of him, and out of the nation's mourning, But I think the state took a big hit with that, and and it affected everybody tremendously. Well, and I hope not, that, prompted, not only that that comes a pretty good story about you know against stigma that even people like Prince that everybody kind of revered uh, can succumb to substance use.
0: Look, not only that is <laughs> don't get special care if you have if you have a substance problems get care get proper care get standard care. He was twenty minutes away from a Hazleton treatment center. Twenty minutes away, they could have thrown him in the car, take him to Hazleton, and that Prince would be sober and well today, in all probability
3: and that's yeah well be, you know this yeah incredible well, you know this a lot better than me dr drew yeah. i mean because you, you you treat uh individuals who have you know political economic or celebrity power and they have their own gravity and they they they, they bend reality around them and they surround themselves with people that well, you know may not be healthy but don't say no to them and but, so but that, may, uh, that, that we, did, we see that all too often
0: it, well my problem is that my our profession complies with it is duplicitous in it, and that, it makes me nuts it makes me absolutely nuts um because it, it, it is you know st- standard of care is the standard for a reason. It's the best. It's the best with the highest probability of a good outcome, least risk. You get special care. That's substandard care. Well, that's yeah.
2: that's a rich person care. Special substandard care. immediately. Yeah, but immediately. it's it's I want to be told what I want to hear. Up, substandard, right? Yeah. yeah, that's not standard. Okay, time. I think one of the great um, issues with the with Prince's death is that we don't view it as. Look, this can happen to anybody. We just went. Oh no, he's dead. Like most people, don't go. Wait, he was taking drugs and he died. Like most people, don't think that. Really? They they understand it, but we don't. I don't go. Oh shoot! If Prince can die,
0: look. Well, I, I, I've been yelling about this since Heath Ledger. Yeah, you're a doctor, but I've been screaming about yeah. it. I, I, there's footage of me on Larry King going, "Listen to me. This is a tsunami. A lot everybody. of
2: people, a lot of young people, don't think Heath Ledger." Drugs killed him. They I think Heath Ledger just accidentally overdosed. I know, I know. It's not
0: a I need to be careful what I'm doing because yes. look at that. Well, one they, last thing, Dr. Lee, I want to get into is it, uh, I don't know if you've encountered this, but you were talking about the black market and the fentanyl powders and stuff. The one of the big problems we're running into right now is diversion of uh, Subutex, Suboxone. One hundred percent of our youth, younger patients, are diverting. And selling it, and there's a gigantic black market out there. What do you aware. mean by that, to a layman like me? They're selling it to buy. Heroin. They're taking their prescription drugs yeah. and selling it. Yeah. Okay, and then they use the, what they use. Then they use what remains to sort of get them detoxed intermittently. Are you <laughs> saying I should stop selling it? Stop selling it. <laughs> stop please. selling it. Right? Uh, now. Are you seeing <laughs> that? Are you seeing that in your practice?
3: Um, it all depends on how you do it. I think there are a lot of people in the Suboxone industry that uh, don't work with insurance companies. And, and kind of have a cash only business. And the and one of the problems of these kinds of businesses is they don't have, again, the infrastructure to do urine drug screens or the kind of other therapeutic supports that are necessary. And so you see some prescribing going on that from a harm reduction standpoint can prevent overdoses, uh, but there may not be a good tracking of where things are going. And so we do see diversion, but in our system, not very much, actually. Uh, most people that, that divert and misuse are, are trying to get past Withdrawal. So, naive people will, people who are naive to opioids will misuse uh, buprenorphine and they can get a pretty good punch from it. But it tends to block itself over time and tolerance builds. And so, people who are heroin users or fentanyl users uh, generally only use Suboxone on the streets to stave off uh, withdrawal. So, we don't see a booming economy with it. One thing that is going to happen, I think, in the next year is you're going to see some stories about a lot of young people being affected uh, with uh, Xanax. I think Xanax is heavily tainted with fentanyl. Mm. Um, and the reason that young people are the target of Xanax is because it's so cheap. People, again, through the dark web or other sites are buying it for a quarter a bar, and then they're selling it on the streets for 2 to $5 a bar. So it's pretty affordable, even for high school kids. And I can't tell you the number of kids that are taking benzodiazepines, and then they kind of get on the fentanyl wagon that way, accidentally- um, some of them know that the, the stuff that they're using is cut with fentanyl, but are so hooked that they, they can't, um, can't find good. another way out. So we're going to hear this evolve a lot. And historically in the country, we're kind of at a at a turning point where the, the black market economics with the fentanyl and the prescription drugs before that and heroin in between yeah. have really shifted. And I think decades later, we'll look back at this moment and see what kind of a. Watershed moment it is for lots and, of different issues.
0: Thank God our profession is finally getting the message, and the prescribing rates are dropping way, way off. Can I ask a dumb question, real quick? Very quick. Then we got Fentanyl.
2: Wrap up. People that are cutting Xanax with fentanyl is that coming from the drug manufacturers? Or is that no, coming no, no, from no.
3: Middlemen. No, no. no, no.
1: no that, when, when they, China. China. Yeah, most of it they is they amateur talk about, they talk about stuff. It's, it uh, it, you know, it's uh, it. you can
3: buy pill presses on online, and uh, and a lot of people are making the pill presses. Um, organized crime now is kind of bypassing the dark web and now just going and finding connections to these labs and they're able to get things. And I don't know how they're making it. I can't believe Uh, you just said that because uh, why? Yeah. Some of the people I see are using pill presses. Some people use powder. Mm -hmm. There's so many different ways to use fentanyl and it's very discreet. Uh, So um, um, we see people using it. And then we see a lot of people who don't think they're using fentanyl because they're scared of it because they hear the news and they think they're using something else. They think they're using MDMA they think they're using cocaine. They think they're using, um, you know, uh, pain medications from a doctor's office. And so we see this all too common that they're fooled by some contaminant. And that contaminant ends up being fentanyl. Kim, what'd you say?
1: Well, you, you know, this is this is great to talk about all of this and to talk about prints and everything else. But, you know, we really need to bring to to light the kids that aren't getting helped that want to commit suicide to get away from this, Drew. Oh yeah. And 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 all of, i know everything that we're talking about is is bringing bringing you know to the forefront and educating but what we're not talking about are those kids that are so desperate to lead that 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 normal life again but because of that 3 days of treatment that you're talking about or that 1 week of treatment that yeah. they're talking about it's like my friend Jonathan who says i just pray to god i can get through to to that kid in that 1 week to save his life or yeah. her life. Yeah, yeah. And and that's where we need to start going. I mean, these these, these conversations all lead to the same place, saving these people and, and finding something that makes a difference.
0: Well, it's, it's a complex issue. Oh, it's incredibly and complex. And there's debate yeah. about how to do it. And, and Dr. Lee was kind of alluding to that. And, yeah, uh, exactly. and I think what Hazelden does, which is they use, you know, Suboxone, where appropriate, they have multiple disciplines available, exactly. but it takes time and effort. And it's very labor-intensive. And it takes and, money. And it takes money. But exactly. We're going to have to wrap it up. Well, to, go and
3: ahead, Dr. Lee, go ahead. I think we work with insurance companies and, and not right. to vilify them, we, we purposely started to work with them. We are one of the first uh, treatment centers of, of our kind to do so because we wanted to serve as many people as possible. And so it definitely is a dance with them. Um, but I think the important part in the conversation is addiction is really about people and not drugs. When we start to vilify drugs only, or think about procedural medicine or focus on diagnoses, we lose the, the prioritization of people. And if we think about people as being high risk and helping them, even if they're sober, even if they're going through withdrawal, I think that would change the dialogue a lot. So instead of looking at uh, just kind of what kind of condition they have acutely or whether they're acutely suicidal, looking at people longitudinally and making investments in those people so that uh, they can get out of trouble and stay out of trouble. I agree. Uh, that's a big part of the conversation that I think is right now missing.
2: Nope. You said it because yeah. I took my addiction when I quit drinking and moved it onto other stuff. Yes. That's it. There you go. He's right. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not because no matter what, I'm going to find something to of overdo it, it on. It's a, it's
0: a, it's a, it's a, it's a Spiritual, physical, yeah. emotional, social, yeah. trait, so yeah. many things. All right, we got to wrap things up. Dr. Lee, thank you so much. I appreciate you being here, and uh, thank you for all the work at Haleson. I, I love you guys over there. Great and, information. Uh, uh, we'll, yeah, well, thank you for having us on. You bet. Thank you so much. Uh, and then, Kim congratulations Thank uh, good you. luck in the campaign Thanks. I mean this even if this doesn't go I feel like you're gonna be out there doing stuff politically for, from now on probably right you
1: know what drew you know me for a long time I, yeah. I put my mind to something I'm gonna make it happen all right well so yeah. and
0: that so what do people what do you want people to do give them a specific direction like people in your district
1: you know what really important to get out there and vote just vote vote on on the fifth you know if if nothing else motivates you to get you to the polls go to repeal the gas tax. That's the start in California. We, we need to show people in Sacramento the, the will of the people. And we're on a slippery, very slippery slope right now. This doesn't make the ballot. There's a lot more coming, ladies and gentlemen, and it's only getting worse. There you go. So. If
2: I were you, I would have said... Get out and vote and then go enjoy an avocado. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well go 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 to com. I've got all the information there. All right? uh, avocado sales too. Apparently. And you know what? I'm gonna put on a recipe for avocados <laughs> now. I love avocados. Right,
0: Thank you so much. Oh, and we'll see you next time. Remember you can find all these podcasts at drdrew.com the Dr. Drew podcast, the This Live podcast, and the Adam and Drew podcast, which is available five days a week. Find them all on iTunes and rate us five stars. Subscribe and get it first. And if you're really happy, click on the Amazon banner at drdrew.com to help support the show. We'll thank you for it. If you join the email list via drdrew.com slash contact, we'll send you a weekly infusion newsletter with Dr Drew's News. We're so grateful when you get in touch, we read all your emails and we'll bring you the subject matter you want to hear about.
3: You